Welcome everyone to this week's Maternity and Midwifery Hour. This is season eight and, and session two. My name's Sue MacDonald and it's my delight to be the, the curator of the Maternity and Midwifery Hour and also the Maternity and Midwifery Festivals. And I'm delighted to be chairing this evening's session, which is going to be really interesting. I know. Um, and we're joined by Dr. Alison Taylor and Megan Langrish. And of course, what we always do to our guess is to ask them for a moment of the week so I'm going to start with Alison because she's hi. going to be the second speaker but she's going to be the first to share. Hi good evening um, I have had a, a, a lovely uh, week really um, because on Friday I said goodbye to our third years and it was really a special moment to see them qualify after such a a tricky time uh, you know with Covid being brought out to practice and it, I was really, really so proud of them that they'd completed and now qualified midwives. Um, yeah, really exciting. <laughs> and then this, today I have met half of our first years and their bright faces, smiling, looking, watching and really taking everything in. It was very exciting to start their journey today. And that's a very special moment. Thank you so much, Alison. I mean, I, and talking to people out there, midwives, student midwives and, and aspiring mid, student midwives. It's very special as a teacher when you're saying goodbye to your students, your babies who now are fly, flying away and then bringing in your next group. It's very, very exciting, very warming. So thank you for sharing that, Alison. How about Megan? You have a moment of the week too. I do. And it, it aligns with Alison's really about new new beginnings, really. I think I was I was saying my little boys just started school. So for me, every week is a new week. I'm learning the navigation of homework and reading. Oh. And <laughs> so he's really enjoying it and he's really happy, which is lovely. It's just me that's found it more of a challenge. <laughs> but that's my moment of the week. And like Alison, very much supporting the new students that have just come onto the programme is just a wonderful experience. That's wonderful. Anyone watching will see both of our speakers. Their faces soften into a lovely smile as they're talking about their new students. So those students are very lucky to be joining. So I'm just going to welcome everyone again to the, the hour. We started this hour at the beginning of the pandemic. Some of you will have been with us from that time uh, as a way of connecting people, uh, midwives, student midwives, aspiring student midwives, mums, some, we do have some mums joining us, people from all over the world. Um, we've been supported by Matflix, who hold all the recordings. So if you miss anything or if you miss a, a session, you can always catch up by going to the Matflix um, resource. They hold everything. And it is such a super resource if for those of you who are doing any courses or um, assignments, dare I say it, um, any of you who are looking towards revalidation, you might find this quite useful for gathering up evidence for that. So do access them as, as you wish and free, feel very free to, to share. So you, if you enjoy this evening, and you will, try and share it with colleagues who weren't able to join us this evening. And you, we love you to share. We love sharing. So just a quick hello and a big congratulations and kind of well done. And thank you to all of the midwives, student midwives and maternity care support workers out there keeping everything going. It's a hard time. 
in, in midwifery and maternity services for the staff, as well as it being trickier for women and their families. Um, and we're still getting over the COVID, but we're on that path at the moment. Um, but we just need to look after each other. We come, we've come to the autumn. We've had the funeral of Her Majesty, the late Queen Elizabeth, was very moving, very special occasion, and something we probably won't ever see in our lifetime again. On a positive note, I mean, that was a very positive event, but um, other things going on in the world is the International Confederation of Midwives is 100 years old today. And that's a fantastic, fantastic grouping of midwifery organisations doing fantastic work. Great resources, I have to say, for anyone who's doing any studying again, little advert for them. Um, and also it's now what else? I know lots of people have been receiving confirmation that they've been accepted their poster or papers. I'm not sure if it's Megan or Alison have had anything accepted for barley. Isn't that, doesn't that sound exciting? But I know a lot of colleagues have been letting me know, oh, I've been accepted and it's very exciting because it's a huge opportunity to share with colleagues across the globe when, whether you've done practice work or research to, to share. So it's fantastic. The other news, um, maternity and midwifery has been in the news today. Many of you will know in the UK, uh, as a report has come out, about 35 to 30, 45% of maternity units are actually not fulfilling the full safety uh, standards as required. Um, though, of course, we know that the, the UK service is one of the safest places to have your baby, um, but we obviously need more midwives. We need loads more midwives. We've known that for a long time. And we need to care for the midwives we have. We need to care for our students that we have and make sure that mother and baby are the real centre of our care. And following all of the events today, and there's been a lot on the media, um, there's been a focus on the midwifery continuity of carer, because I know people have talked about continuity of care requires more staff, it requires more resources, but we do know that where you've got good continuity of care services, you get a safer level of care for women, and their babies and families, and a, a better, more quality experience for mothers and babies as well. So the, this, the letter that's come out from NHS England, from um, Ruth May and from our Professor Jacqueline Dunkley-Bend, who all of you will know, is really focusing on where continuity of care is working, it should continue. A midwife should push back against any attempt really to, to reduce that. Students need to be taught continuity of care, and that's really important because this is for the future. Harder for placements, and to speak it with my two colleagues who are teachers, they'll know how much juggling has to be done to make sure that students can do the continuity of care and practice it. Um, and where some where there are problems with staffing, they're suggesting we shouldn't start the continuity of care at that point until staffing levels are appropriate but that's always been the case you do need enough staff to keep it going so I'm just reiterating that continuity of care is a, a safer way of caring it's a better way of caring it's better for women and babies and it's certainly better for midwives as long as it's well staffed anyway we're going to move from that now we've had that news we're going to move to this evening's meat or vegetables 
if you're for those vegetarians out there. Um, and we're going to be looking at infant feeding and how sustainability is built into universities in particular, and thus into maternity service, because we'll look at the, the UNICEF baby friendly initiative and what it takes to get a gold, a gold award. And we've got two people who are very able and very happy to talk about BFI, Baby Friendly Initiative. And so I'm going to start off by introducing, I'm delighted to introduce Megan Langrish. She's worked as a midwife since 2010, 2010, sorry, 2010, 2010. And she's currently a senior lecturer and course leader at the University of Central Lancashire, the BSAC ONS midwifery programme. She's worked as a project lead for the Baby Friendly at the university since 2012. I hope that's right. She also works for Baby Friendly Teams, a professional office on, on a one day a week secondment. So she's got that very strong link with BFI. And in 2000, 2018, Megan supported the undergrad midwifery programme to obtain baby friendly accreditation. In 2021, the university achieved the Baby Friendly Sustainability Gold Award for both midwifery and SCPHNN programs. And I'm sure she's going to talk a bit more about that. She's very passionate and you'll see that about supporting breastfeeding, friendly working and study environments. So I'm going to say to you, Megan, the screen is now yours and welcome. Thank you so much. And I'm hoping I can share the screen because that's the first test, isn't it? So um, thank you. And it was 20, 17 we started on our journey so nearly yeah <laughs> but yeah it was 2017 so I'm just going to share my screen and hopefully you can see that so I am um, I'm part of the big team at the university that that work um around the baby friendly standards so I do have to give a huge acknowledgement as well to Sarah Johnson who now leads on the baby friendly initiative at the University of Central Lancashire because she's done a huge task, as Alison will know, of going through the re-accreditation for gold. And I know Alison's going to be talking a bit about that later. So that'll be really nice to hear your perspective as well, Alison. So, yes, yeah, so welcome. And, and as, as Sue mentioned, I, I do work for a day a week at the moment on a secondment for the UNICEF Baby Friendly UK team. Um, so it's, it's kind of nice to have those two perspectives here with you today, just to be able to kind of talk about our experience as a university, but also to give you an overview today of what the gold standards are, what we're looking for, and also how you can embed that within your university. So for those of you that don't know, uh, the UNICEF UK Baby Friendly Global Programme is based on child rights. So with the UN Convention of the Rights of the Child as the basis of all UNICEF's work. So the Baby Friendly Standards and the Baby Friendly Initiative came in, in around 1994. So it's been around for a while and it's there to support families around feeding and developing close and loving relationships and how we can get babies off to the very best start in life. Um, the Baby Friendly Accreditation Programme is recognised, as you will know, more likely throughout numerous government and policy documents across the UK. So kind of to give you a context of the Baby Friendly Standards as a whole, there's standards within maternity, health visiting, neonatals and children's centres. But we're here today to talk a little bit more about the university standards and what they actually involve. And we'll talk a little bit about the learning outcomes and what we're actually expecting of students if they're qualifying from a university that is baby friendly, what kind of knowledge and skills they will have to be able to bring to the world of midwifery and health visiting as well. 
So just to give you a little bit of an overview, here are the university learning outcomes. And I know that Alison will be talking to you about how you get these embedded across the course. But just to give you a little bit of context, the, the learning outcomes surround themselves around these five themes. So when we're thinking about understanding breastfeeding, what we're wanting to know is, do the students have the knowledge, the underpinning knowledge and skills to be able to support women with breastfeeding? And also the importance of human milk and the differences of human milk and formula milk also. We help them to understand how they can support infant feeding out in practice. So giving them the knowledge and skills to be able to support parents' decisions and choices around feeding. And also to understand the UK context that infant feeding sits within and the complexities that can come around that. And how do we support parents who formula feed to do so in a responsive and safe way as well? So I know Alison will be touching upon the, the WHO International Code and how we maintain that across the university as well. And we do incorporate that within the teaching um, across the curriculums as well. And when we're thinking about the support in the close and loving relationships, it's about understanding those secure mother and infant attachments and that knowledge of the attachment theory and how that relates to feeding as well as those early relationships with parents and babies. Managing the challenges is covered within the university learning outcomes as it's really important that students have the knowledge and skills to apply the anatomy and physiology of breastfeeding to how we overcome challenges that parents may, that mothers may face. And also thinking about the wider social and cultural and political influences that can impact feeding and can sometimes undermine breastfeeding. And then really that what underpins all these other themes is communication. And we are teaching this and it's ingrained within our curriculums in, in university education around midwifery. But what is important is to have that positive communication when we're thinking about conversations around infant feeding. And also we'll really encourage how we can support students to go out there into practice feeling really knowledgeable and up to date with their skills and knowledge around infant feeding and how they can maintain that in time. So then what works? What works for students to be able to go out there into practice and have this underpinning knowledge and skills? So we know that having an evidence-based and up-to-date curriculum helps to prepare students for real-world practice. And what's really important in order for them to do that is to have the knowledge and skills and to have that portrayed by the lecturing team that they're being taught by, but also mentors, well, practice assessors and supervisors out in practice. So what we would encourage in relation to that is how do we audit students' knowledge and skills and how do we actually make a change based upon that audit? So how do we actually understand where the gaps might be? What things can we do to help to fill those gaps for students and what things can we do to help build their knowledge and skills? But also having a really collaborative approach to Talk, having conversations around infant feeding, relationship building, having those collaborative links with our practice partners is so important to be able to maintain that consistent information for students to obtain, but also keeping that consistency for women and families. Thinking back to when we, when I was just discussing about the different you know, maternity services, thinking about children's centres, thinking about health visiting services, midwifery services. How can we ensure that that woman's journey is consistent in the support and the guidance that she's getting in relation to infant feeding and relationship building? 
And also using that stakeholder input and feedback too. So how how I know many universities have gone through programs at the moment where they've had the revalidation of the curriculum and how involving stakeholders into those conversations is so important to ensure that the the education we're providing for students is is relevant out there in real world practice and what women's experiences are being influenced by. And also the implementation of the code as well. So how does that fit within the university setting? So we'll, we'll chat a little bit about that. So to give you a, a generalized overview of the Achieving Sustainability Standards, the three main factors to take into consideration is having a leadership team. So developing and supporting that leadership team but also having a really clear monitoring process. So going back to what I mentioned about audits and how do we keep on top of understanding where students' knowledge is at and how we can support them to expand that or are there any gaps in that knowledge that we can help to support with. And also thinking about progression. So taking it further than the learning outcomes to actually think about how can we make this become everybody's business within the university. So taking it that next step further. So thinking about other courses, for example, that might be relevant, thinking about other, other aspects of infant feeding and relationship building across the university. So I think it's important therefore to kind of think about how we embed that change. How do we create changes within the universities to help to align to this? And just to give a bit more of an overview around leadership. So what is meant by that? What would be expected if, if a university was looking to go for the gold standard and the, the sustainability standards? It'd it be an expectation to see that there is a baby-friendly lead within the university that has sufficient hours and support to undertake that role in an effective way, um, ensuring that that person who leads on this it has the education and support behind them. And also that all of the lecturers that are teaching student midwives have the education themselves to deliver the baby friendly learning outcomes. So that's about that whole team approach, thinking back to that consistency. But also having a baby friendly guardian is so important. And I'll talk a little bit about that on the next slide. And also, how do we evidence that leadership team's education and engagement? So are we keeping staff, our own staff at the university, up to date with changes, with new information that's come out, new evidence, new research around infant feeding and relationships? So then thinking about monitoring, so how do we maintain that? So as we mentioned, audits is such an important part of that but also thinking about other elements of monitoring students' knowledge and any further support that they might need. That could be through assessments, for example, aligning the curriculum, and also thinking about what teaching plans are in place for those sessions. And is there any other ways that you can actually help to get that information across for students? And also it's about having a really clear, effective internal and external reporting system. So actually if we're, you know, if a university is noticing there may be a gap in, in practice or vice versa, that we're able to have that reporting system. And I think that coincides with what we said about working together. And then progression is that final step really. So en enhancing that teaching, thinking about the wider context and what other learning and assessment related baby friendly learning outcomes we can think about. So thinking again about maybe potentially other courses. And I think, I know Alison will talk a bit about this, but how do we actually improve experiences for students and staff that may be feeding as well? So thinking about 
their journey, thinking about what can we do for them. I think when we totted up the um, the population of students and staff in a university, it comes into thousands and thousands. And actually, you're a mini community in yourself. And how can you actually make those experiences better for those that are working and studying within the organisation as well? So a little bit about The Guardian. For those that are looking to go for a gold award at the university, it's this, this person is such an influential part of that journey and it needs to be somebody that is a high level member of staff, somebody that can have that wider context of the university, but also can be, can advocate at that senior level to ensure that the baby friendly standards remain on the agenda. And thinking about that wider understanding of the baby friendly and the code as well. So this might mean maybe training your senior leaders within the university around the baby friendly standards and the code. And also they can be sensitive to any opportunities and threats. So if they've got that wider view, that helicopter view of the university, they're more likely to be able to pick up on any, any opportunities that might arise. And they're the ones that are able to provide that support that's needed for the leadership team for baby friendly. So then what that looks like um, for the achieving sustainability assessment, these are the elements that will be looked at. So what education is in place for the lecturers and the leadership team? Is there a structure and support system? We'll have an overview of what the Guardian says about their role and what influence they have in addition to any audit results and any sample assessments that might be in place for students. In addition to that as well, they'll want to see some action plans. So what's the plans for the future? What things are you already acting upon? What might have happened in the past that's changed? And just looking at if there's any improvements that have happened in relation to the learning outcomes and anything that's happening across the wider university as well. So any innovative change that's happening. And as part of that assessment process, there'll be interviews with the head of the department, the leadership team, so that will include the BFI lead for the university, any lecturers that are involved with teaching around breastfeeding relationship building, and any other lecturers across the university that are involved too, and obviously the guardian will be part of that process. So just to give you a visualisation of what that looks like, once a university achieves accreditation for the baby friendly standards, they'll go for a reassessment. So at that reassessment point, which usually falls around three years, around about that after that first assessment, they'll have a reassessment. Now, what that reassessment will tell us is whether a university is ready to move on to that achieving sustainability. And universities find that if they are aiming for achieving sustainability, they will aim for that as part of their reassessment so that hopefully they can move on to the achieving sustainability within a, a shorter period of time. But as long as that achieving sustainability is within two years of the reassessment, then a university can go for that. Now, if the reassessment initially brought that there was some recommendations, some need for, for some amendments, some adjustments within the courses or within the teaching, for example, then there'll be a bespoke reassessment. So there'll be another quick maybe touch base reassessment and then hopefully aim towards the achieving sustainability. And what we would encourage if a university needs maybe a significant amount of work, they might need to work on that to then go for the reassessment to then move back into the cycle to go for the achieving sustainability. So 
once a university achieves the gold, then it moves on to a process of progression. So where do we go after that point? And Alison will be talking about this as well. And as I mentioned, Sarah's done an amazing amount of work at our university in relation to this. But you then move into that revalidation process. So the revalidation usually happens after around 12 months and just another a very brief assessment to see how you're maintaining that sustainability standard. And there's an annual license fee. So rather than having reassessments every three years, this is more of a maintenance. So it's keeping up and progressing things throughout the years. And what's really exciting about this is it gives a really good opportunity for innovation. So rather than working towards assessments year on year, what you're actually doing is really pushing the boundaries and building upon standards whilst maintaining the basic level um, throughout. So thinking about how can you involve other staff within the university? Is there any interprofessional working that would work really well? For example, School of Medicine working with student midwives around breastfeeding relationship building. Other things that you could think about is how you support your own staff and students. So when they're returning to study or work and they may be feeding or bringing babies onto campus, what things have we got in place to support them? And also having links with practice, is there any exciting opportunities that students can be involved in? Things like student champions, taking forward different and innovative, um, innovative, I can't think. Practice. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. And then also what things can we do to ensure that, that students that go out there, go out there qualified with that, employability skill they're coming from a university that's got gold accreditation gold re-accreditation so that can be a, a real help for students moving into the world of work as well and also thinking about wider context university context thinking of things such as Athena Swan how do we support women in the workplace these are all really key progression topics that you could look towards once you're on that journey of, of achieving sustainability and a lot of it is around making infant feeding everybody's business. So it becomes wider than just the midwifery program. It becomes the university-wide topic of conversation and that, that's really key. So this slide just represents some of the success stories around the, um, the Gold University standards. And I know this is building month on month with other universities going through this process. So it's a really exciting time. And um, I'm sure Alison will talk to you a little bit more about their journey too. And if you want any inf more information around um, the gold sustainability standards for universities, I really, really encourage you to become part of the National Infant Feeding Network. So if you are a university lecturer that takes a lead with, with BFI, being part of the university network is influential. And I'm sure Alison will say the same, that for us on our journey in 2016, 17, leading up to our accreditation in 2018, this support network was invaluable in really giving you that support system other people to bounce ideas off, other people that have gone through the process that can really help to guide you with it. And any queries can always be sent to the BFI inquiries. And there's quite a lot of information on the UNICEF baby friendly website as well around the standards. And also being involved in the conference is an amazing way of seeing the up-to-date kind of research around, around the baby-friendly standards. And it's also just really great to be involved. It's a really nice way of bringing the team together. So this year, the conference is on as a virtual conference. 
um, this year on the 23rd and 24th of November. So that's Gosh. everything for me, but I would be really happy to answer any questions at the end um, if anybody's got any questions at all for me. Thank you so much. Okay, that's, that's fabulous, Megan. Thank you so much. The, the, your, the excitement and, and, and uh, joy shines through your presentation is really great and and I think it really hits me the difference between this approach and other approaches you know when you have a piece of research and it all looks beautiful and then you put it into practice and if there's someone strong it keeps going and then when that person goes it doesn't and this is a whole network of, of, of strength to keep things going which is fantastic and I would reiterate that and we put some resources on the on the website for this which has got the BFI website it's a really fantastic resource and lots and lots of links and if that what I love is when they've got a nice new piece of research that they've got there they get it before anyone else it's really helpful so we'll I know there's a few questions coming through those of you who are watching if you have a question for Megan just just put it in the chat box and it'll come through when we're we're ready for questions in about a quarter of an hour but in the meantime and thank you for Megan you can have a few moments rest um, I'm delighted to now introduce Dr Alison Taylor and she's been a midwife for over 35 years. She's lead midwife for education and baby friendly project lead lecturer for the BSC ONS midwifery program at Bournemouth University. So busy lady. Both of these people are busy ladies. And in her spare time, <laughs> she also works in the baby friendly team as a professional officer on a casual contract. Her areas of scholarship include breastfeeding and using innovative ways to enhance student experience through education, research and professional practice. She's published from her PhD research, which explored women's experience of breastfeeding using video diaries. So that might be very worth catching up on that later. Um, and having achieved the BFI Gold Award at Bournemouth University, Alison's become the lead for the National Infant Feeding Network, the NIFN, for university lecturers and is passionate about supporting networking with other baby-friendly project lead lecturers. Alison, the screen is, your, is now yours. Welcome. Thank you very much. Thank you. And thank you so much for inviting me today um, to talk about our journey. Um, and Megan and I work together sometimes um, at Baby Friendly, so we know each other well. And um, it's just really nice just to share our journey of how we got to, to gold um, at Bournemouth University. So if we just start to set the context, um, we registered we registered our intent in 2009 and we got certificate of commitment in the same year. Um, we then achieved the first stage um, in 2010 with full accreditation the year after in 2011. And as you can see, we, we've had revalidated, we've been revalidated three times since then. So we've had baby friendly for over a decade. Um, so we were really ready to go for the gold award uh, last year we had a little gap between 2017 to 21 because of COVID we had to delay our revalidation by a year um, but then um, 
as I say, we got Sustainability Gold Award in 21, and then we've just had it revalidated this year. So what I thought I'd just share with you is our journey to gold, um, really from full accreditation to gold, really. And under those three themes, sorry, the three themes that Megan has just been talking about, leadership, monitoring and progression that got us to that gold award. So the leadership, first of all, and Megan um, very um, aptly talked about the Baby Friendly Guardian and the importance of that. And the, I can't stress the importance of that around because we hadn't had it before. Um, and we, 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 we managed to get accreditation, but having the Guardian is just fundamental to the sustainability because the, 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 the whole role is around protection of your, your programme in relation to Baby Friendly. And um, you want somebody high level, like um, Megan said. So Venora Hundley uh, was identified because she had strategic and organisational leadership as Deputy Dean for Research and Professional Practice. And she's particularly good because she uses our Bournemouth University's fusion approach, which is about blending research, education and practice to maximise that opportunity and impact in relation to baby friendly, making it everybody's business, wherever they are. So it's, it's been absolutely fantastic having um, Venora in our in our as a, as a guardian. Um, so the other thing um, that uh, Megan spoke about is having a senior leadership team, and we have a senior leadership team that includes um, obviously the guardian, but the head of department, professor of midwifery, um, myself as project lead lecturer, but we also have a deputy as well, um, and also we have two. Uh, baby friendly leads from the trusts. One from, which we have nine trusts uh, that, are, that we link into from our university, but we've got one um, infant feeding lead from the very beginning of the baby friendly journey and one at the end. Um, so it was really good to get that depth of experience. So we meet quarterly and we review baby friendly um, student audits and assessments that um, Megan was talking about, she said how important it was to do that, to review it with the senior leadership team. Um, and we, they, they, as she says, have received specific training so that they really understand baby friendly and also the wider social context in relation to infant feeding. Um, and together, we have developed a really comprehensive strategy to ensure that Bournemouth University continues to work within the international code, which it's fine within midwifery, but when you go out into the big world of the university, that is harder. So, um, so we've, we've got a strategy together and also we're working with partner organizations to develop that culture, to make it everybody's business. So for example, we're working with our, our business faculty, looking at um, women's, um, supporting women when they go back to work. And, you know, we're looking at perhaps a piece of research around that. So um, leadership, as Megan suggested, means that you need a named baby-friendly project lead lecturer, which I have been for a number of years. But the most amazing thing about going for sustainability is that we've now got a role description. I'm not just doing it alongside everything else. I have a role description that's been through HR with hours allocated. 
and that really helps and it means that the key outputs um, are under those three headings on my role description so leadership developing the curriculum making sure that I'm updated that's helped me um, have the um, backing for being the in the uh, university national infant feeding lead for universities um, monitoring so making sure that we're working with um, doing the audits and the staff um, training etc and also um, the progression so developing in innovations to improve both staff and student outcomes um, so we have a core baby friendly team uh, that we identified we've trained to ensure that the education continues whether i'm there or not if i do my backing which i did last year the, the education continues and um, it means that we meet uh, very frequently and we have some really detailed planning which at the moment you know with a new curriculum there's very detailed planning in terms of that under the five baby friendly themes including student assessment that megan showed us earlier on and we need to make sure that the um, the baby friendly team have effective uh, are able to do the effective auditing and it also maintains succession planning so when i retire uh, we know that it's going to carry on it's not going to like you say so it's not going to stop at that point so under the monitoring um, it, this is about evaluating education like megan said so we have a structured audit and assessment process across the curriculum. We did in our old curriculum, we have in our new curriculum. So we have a, a simulated assessment called an OSSI um, in our first year where we assess student skills for breastfeeding support and having a meaningful conversation with mothers around breastfeeding problems. And that develops really good links with our practice placement areas because they come in and help. So practitioners come in and help with those OSSEs and we do them together, one lecturer with one practitioner. In the second year, we have a written compulsory exam question around complexities in midwifery care that relates to uh, breastfeeding complexities. Um, and at the end of the second year, all students are interviewed with the um, baby friendly audit tool, which is, is an, um, something that you purchase from baby friendly that helps you audit and make sure that your learn, the learning outcomes are being um, effectively taught and, um, you know, learnt and, and the skills as well. And then at the, in the third year, all students are interviewed um, with the same tool, um, maybe differently asked and all students are asked different questions. So it's, it's a really good way of testing their knowledge and their skills. So they all, at the beginning of the programme, they all need to have a knitted breast or crocheted breast and a doll. That's something is mandatory part of equipment that those students need. So um, the baby friendly core team, they're trained to carry out that audit. Uh, they review the audit and assessment results as a team. And like Megan say, we identify the gaps and we develop sessions that are tailored to that cohort because some cohorts are different to other cohorts. We, we, we don't treat them all the same. So um, it's it's really good way. And you identify the gaps really quickly. After a few students, you can soon find the gaps. Those annual audits are sent to uh, UNICEF Baby Friendly 
and along with action plans as to how you're filling those gaps, if there are any. Um, and student evaluation is at the heart of monitoring as well. So we need to listen to the student voice. So every unit is um, evaluated and any we, do, we tend to have baby friendly uh, theme days and they're evaluated too. Um, and we also have baby friendly student champions that work alongside us when we're doing skills. So second and third years help us with the first years, for example. But we also um, elect baby friendly student reps. So they're really passionate about baby friendly and they come and work with the BFI core team in preparing teaching sessions, um, which is really, really helpful. So here's one first year student's evaluation and she says it's really good to be able to practice hand expression with one of our peers. It was, was, it was less intimidating than it being in a big group situation that built up my confidence. So we do it in pairs, well we do it in threes actually, two are doing it with one watching and then they all swap around. So one's the mum, one's the student and one's the observer. So she obviously appreciated that. This is a third year following the audit, right? They interviewed individually quite a lot of questions. And she said, I mean, she's just so um, um, pleased because actually it's very empowering for them because they actually realize how much they do know. And we give them feedback at the time and then group feedback at the end. So she said, it, you know, it was, um, it was really engaging, positive and, and great, the curriculum, but she actually remembered and, uh, such a lot and she surprised herself. And then uh, another third year, at the very end of the three years, we do an evaluation. And she said, the lecturer's ongoing passion for BFI is evident in their teaching through interactive sessions and various, various methods to help remember it. New mnemonics, videos, quizzes, and taking advantage of our creative fair. But don't forget the student inputs into this too. So the student reps help us to develop um, different ways of, uh, that they think is useful. So progression is the, the final um, theme. Um, and this just shows a little bit around our curriculum development to meet the baby-friendly outcomes, but also the new NMC standards for proficiency. And we have a braided curriculum. The topics are visited and then revisited many times throughout the three years. So building um, as you go along. And this just shows how we've mapped um, some of the sessions across the themes so that um, we make sure that all the themes you've seen theme five is in the middle because for me theme five as Megan said it's the communication that is just so important so you can see sort of how it's mapped across uh, the five themes and then all the learning outcomes uh, the baby friendly outcomes are also mapped across um, the units and so that just gives you and you can't see it uh, particularly but you can see that it's quite a detailed mapping process. So another progression point that we had was our student-led newborn feeding clinic um, and we, we, we actually opened this uh, a number of years ago but it had to stop because of Covid um, but we've just relaunched it and it's at the AECC University College and it's, it's such an exciting clinic because it enables students to support mothers with complex breastfeeding problems in a very unhurried environment 
not like a very busy postnatal ward. So those skills that they've learned in theory and they've, they've um, also practiced in the NHS, they come and they spend longer with women and they um, develop those students' skills and a way of uh, you know, communicating well with the women so they have that authentic presence. And of course they have one of us as lecturers, you can see me um, showing my knees in that picture, unfortunately, um, supporting um, the students um, and the mother uh, in that clinic environment. And it's, and it's a, an, ex an excellent environment to, to learn. Um, and the inspiration for, from that uh, clinic um, has been taken forward into the NHS and they've just piloted a student-led feeding clinic at Portsmouth Hospital. Um, and we're hoping that that will be going forward as well. Another progression point, just very quickly to say, you know, we have parenting rooms now, something that we've really um, pushed through um, with new builds. Um, there's a really good excuse to have a lovely parenting room. And we're just looking at guidance for staff and students returning to work. And um, we have that, but we're reviewing that and we do that on a frequent and regular basis. And then of course, research is so important. So um, we have two pieces, two PhDs in particular related to um, our baby friendly. Uh, one is by Dr. Amy Miller, who looked at our feeding clinic at the Calcutic College. Um, and uh, the outcomes with student midwives working with chiropractic interns was really positive, both for women and uh, their infant feeding outcomes, but also for students learning. So she looked at it from two sides and the uh, really quality in, um, learning environment for students, both uh, chiropractic interns and for student midwives. And then Hazel um, is looking at the barrier the barriers, challenges, and facilitators of implementing baby friendly in the maternity organization. And she's just writing up her findings at the moment. So I'm um, supervising that PhD and looking forward to, to seeing the outcomes of that. So why all this work? Well, um, is it worth it? Well, yes, I would definitely say it is. Um, it absolutely, the gold raises the profile of infant feeding. And I think it provides an even stronger focus in your program because everybody wants to keep it now we've got it. So it's not gonna go. Um, it raises the profile of universities with applicants. So applicants looking, they, they actually look, Megan was saying, they actually look to see if you've got gold. Um, it helps meet the requirements of the NMC standards of proficiency for midwives because it's underpinned um, by baby friendly. And students, they love feeling confident in practice. This is where something where very early on, when they go out into placement, they feel confident supporting mothers. And then the NHS trusts those, that value um, and um, the, you know, the confident and competent students supporting women in those very busy postnatal wards. They love it. Um, we forge great links with our practice partners and it increases their employability, like Megan says, because they don't need to do the training. Once they qualify, they can miss that um, because they've been qualified. Uh, they've, you know, they've done the training. And then finally, just two other things that for me is really important. It raises new leaders that focus on baby friendly and infant feeding. And we have three, if not four, baby friendly uh, leads 
in our local trust that are all our graduates that I've taught. And that mean, you know, that is just is amazing. It's just so exciting to see. So it's sustainable and it will continue when I've gone, which is the most exciting thing of all. So thank you so much for listening, everybody. Um, it's been lovely here to be here presenting today. That's grand. Thank you so much, Alison. And thank you again to Megan. Really um, fascinating, actually, because what, you know, you think about the gold award being a bit competitive, but actually it's feeling very much like a huge team supporting each other and not a, not, not a bit like the Olympics because it, you, you get a gold standard by getting that sustainability built in. So fantastic. Now, I'm very aware that our audience are throwing questions. I'm just hoping I'm going to be able to deal with all of them coming through because there's a lot of questions. So thank you to everyone who's asked a question. We'll try and answer them as, as best we can. Um, we've got, first of all, I'll start with Wendy Blackwood. Hi, Wendy. And I'm looking over here because it's coming on a different screen. So forgive me if I'm away from you for a second. Um, and Wendy says, can I ask if your students have to pass the maternity staff interview prior to qualifying? I think that might be one um, not quite to do with BFI. I'm just maternity thinking, staff interview. I think that, is that the maternity staff interview that you would do with your staff in trust in maternity? I think I think that's what Wendy means. Okay, so I think that would align. I mean, jump in, Alison, if you want to, but I think that would align absolutely. So what that kind of comes with, I think, is what Alison was just saying, that if students qualify from a baby-friendly accredited university, especially one that, that's working towards the gold standards, is that you would anticipate that they've had the level of knowledge and understanding that they wouldn't need to have retrained um within trust so i think i know i mean alison you please feel free to chip in but i know other trusts that, that we link to as a university what they'll do is a very very mini audit when that student starts with them and just to to check the students happy do they need any further knowledge do they want any further knowledge and if they don't and they don't need that then they don't need to go on the full training i'm if that's what what i hope that's what's required i'm going to move on to the next question because there's so many <laughs> Now, uh, Sue Henry uh, questions, I wonder why culture was not included in the sustainability university themes as innovation opportunities. Yeah. Any thoughts on that? Do you want to come uh, with this one, Alison? Alison? I don't want me to. You can. You can. <laughs> <laughs> so, thanks, Sue. Oh, it's nice to hear from Sue. I know it's doing really well. But, um, yeah, I think it's a really interesting one. And I think it's because what... When with a university, it comes back to what Alison was saying before, that the university wide, for example, when you're looking at how the, the adherence to the WHO code, for example, it is so huge and there is massive diversity of courses, not health related necessarily. So I think from that perspective, you, you could definitely say there is an opportunity to change the culture within the localised teams, such as maternity training health visiting training I think from a university-wide perspective um that that may create more of a challenge but what what are your thoughts on that Alison would you say from well, the process yeah it's very interesting because there's all sorts of areas which can be 
quite conflicting. For example, research and where funding comes from from research. So that's something that we've really focused on in, in the university. But, um, you know, you can start with your, your own department and then gradually work out to your faculty. But whether you can actually influence the whole university, that is quite tricky. Um, and, but something we strive for. But, you know, I think it's an, a really interesting one in relation to culture. Maybe work in progress. But it oh, is, but it is, and that's what sustainability is all about. Mm. It's moving out from just your midwifery team or your health visiting team, moving out and across programmes and across mm. faculties. But yeah. it can't be done in one big bang, I don't think. Yeah. I think it's, I think you've illustrated that really well, actually. Thank you. I mean, Sue does say, thank you for this really clear presentation. A great success story, lots of positive progression. So important for our student midwives families, communities and beyond. So that's lovely. Thank you, Sue, for that. And then Lucy Ormerod, hello, Lucy, says, can you attend the conference as a UCLan student? Ah, I can answer this one, Lucy. (laughs) (laughs) Lucy's one of our wonderful first year students. So yes, absolutely. So that was, um, I did want to add that into the presentation around the conferences. That is a great opportunity for students to be able to attend the conference. And this again is where your guardian comes in if they're in a senior leadership role that can arrange funding for students to attend conferences in relation to this is so important. So to answer Lucy directly the answer is absolutely yes contact me and Sarah because we'll give you the details because that is definitely happening Uh, but for any other university it's definitely worth considering arranging to have a a number of places for students to attend the conference even if it's just for parts of the conference if you want to share that out among more students it could go for half day a full day or the two days so yeah Fabulous. The other, Thank the you. other thing is it's recorded, isn't it? So that if you can't make it, you can listen back to it for ah. so long. There's a, a few weeks that you can listen mm. to it for. So like all of our events too. Fantastic. Thank you for that. Okay. And Wendy Blackwood, back again. Hi, Wendy. Says, is there not a mechanism to find out a student's actual practice in maternity and it's from hospital IF leads? Would this bridge the theory practice gap that I see quite a lot? Yes. So there is. So what I didn't include is that the students, so uh, the new students, all students in the uh, in England are on the uh, um, midwifery ongoing record of achievement, um, and that's called Mora. And yes, there are some um, proficiencies around infant feeding in that, and also some experiences that students have to achieve around breastfeeding assessment so yes it is in practice as well um, but we also um, assess in the university because we have to appreciate that not every trust has got full accreditation Um, and so we you know it we need to support students in every in every way um, to get those skills and and knowledge fabulous thank you right and moving on now I've got all the questions keep on coming through. Um, Maggie Hunter, hi Maggie, says, my question is how to sell the benefits of achieving sustainability to the executive group. It just doesn't seem to be seen as important in my university. I'm getting very frustrated. Mm, I think that might be one for Meg. I think it's probably for both of you, but 
Yeah, I think this this actually brings me back to a conversation that I had with Lucy, who popped a message on before. But um, just thinking about what might be worth you doing is asking your students whether it's influenced their decision to come to your university or not. That's where you could start. Um, because I think we underestimate actually that that prospective students do consider these elements when they're choosing universities. So that might be a place to start. Um, Other factors is maybe um, that I know has worked for some other universities is actually inviting a team that has gone through this process to come and speak to your leadership team at the university, having it as a a morning session where they come they visit your university or you visit them for example and have those conversations just for those that have been through the process that might be helpful mm. any other tips Alison I think also um you know see if you can get a bit of their time for education to to to, to explain mm. why it's so important in relation not just to the actual award the actual process but more in in relation to promoting health or in you know I think that's really important that because that's not appreciated and unless you can get them aside for the little bit of education around that and why is so important they're probably not going to think it's important and I think in addition to that it's about understanding the other initiatives that the university is striving towards at the time so I mentioned about Athena Swan for example Um, I know many universities are working towards that so it's it's trying to bridge those actual opportunities that are already there Mm. and how it aligns with that so actually it's opening up an opportunity to not only support your students your staff but also the wider local community which Mm. I know is on the agenda of a lot of universities as well that you can actually offer those services like Alison mentioned to the local um, area. And I think there's a query coming through, um, and that's Martina Donaghy. Um, now, this is moving into the, I think, to the student-led clinic. Um, and Martina's saying, how do you go about staffing the clinic? I'm okay, weaving so, these things in where I can. Yeah, so um, we have uh, one lecturer. We have up to five students in the clinic um, and one lecturer supporting mm. those uh, students. Um, and... Um, we, we, we have it we, because we have fusion at Bournemouth University, so we have professional practice, research and education. It comes under all those three things. And so we have a research project going in that we're supporting. We have, um, we're, we're doing the education of the students, but also um, we're updating our own professional practice. And actually it's brilliant when you go into the classroom and you're talking, for example, you might be talking about preterm baby and you say, can anybody remember who was with me on that week when, you know, we had a woman come in with a baby who was, who had been, you know, 34 weeks and had been in NICU and, you know, who was there? Who could talk about it? And then you've got not only the student telling the story, but you, you've got yourself and the credibility around supporting. It, it's, it's really helpful. And I think there's a, there's a slight, I mean, if I can talk with my UCLAN, hat on at the moment and I wish Sarah was here to talk about her input in this but as a stepping stone to that um, we're looking at the UCLAN at the moment if we can offer more to the local community around antenatal education 
around mm. feeding and actually starting with that step first before having a feeding clinic. So actually we can invite parents within to the university in an evening, for example, for an hour, staff that with our, our team um, on a rotation rotor but also with students, more importantly, so that they can gain that experience. And then that's a, a great way of bridging those links as well with the clinical areas, like Sue Henry, for example, has been huge in having those conversations with us and how we can embed that. And it's it's definitely a big tick on the university agenda as well, which is helpful to opening up these conversations. Fabulous, thank you, both of you. I think I think we only have a little more question. Uh, da, 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 da. Sophie says, hi, thanks so much. This has been really useful. Is it possible to share the job description for the BFI lead uh, through the NIFN network? Also, you mentioned auditing staff. Would this just be an annual audit on each person one to one with the BF lead? Yes. Uh, uh, no, yeah. Yes. <laughs> sometimes they self, well, sometimes uh, it's around self, they can self. Um, assess first as well and see where um, their needs are. So, and we certainly do that when they first come to find out where their needs are. And we have a two day, we've got, a, we've got a recruitment drive at the moment and we've a planned two day uh, baby friendly induction program. Uh, now I'm gonna do one more question because it's Claire Dale. Hi Claire. She says, so if your university has BFI accreditation, students will have additional assessments to assess quality of education. These are obviously fantastic skills to have as a student and will better prepare us for placement. However, I'm intrigued as to how this in is incorporated. This is a very good question. Into an already packed degree, has there been any concerns from students regarding additional assessments? I think I know the answer to this, but I'll start with Alison. Well, then... it's interesting because the audit, you'd think there'd be a bit of a backlash, but actually we um, we do them on an individual basis. We do it online, or we have done the last two years. The students have really appreciated it. It's even gone to programme management level from the student reps that they've really appreciated that day. They, they have about 20 minutes with each, with one person, one lecturer with one um student and they've really appreciated the the connection um, and us asking how they are and how they've been and and actually recognizing their knowledge you know appreciating their knowledge showing their knowledge demonstrating it megan do you want to add anything to that no, I, I think um, just as Alison said, really, I think ultimately what this is a great opportunity is for students to have that supportive environment to be able to have these conversations where they can make they can receive feedback on, on how they've done and we can give tips and, and extra information for them. So actually they feel more empowered then to go out and fill out these clinical documentations to feel confident to give those knowledge and skills, especially for those students that maybe aren't working within a trust that is going for baby friendly so they're feeling that they may not have as much of that exposure to things clinically at that moment in time it can give them that opportunity fantastic well thank you so i could we could go on for a long time i know there's still questions coming through and i have to say to the audience these have been fantastic questions but we're just so short of time you'll have to come again you'll have to come again both megan and alison thank you so much for for giving us a sort of a real treat into real sustainability 
and real application to real life practice. I think Alison used the real world words and I think it's absolutely so. And it's quite, when you think about the packed curriculum and Claire had a good point because we're always saying the program's so full, but somehow we get more in and that's through weaving and some sometimes losing some of the old stuff that we don't need so much. But to, to use really good theory and practice, and you've illustrated so well. So thank you so much, Alison and Megan, for being with us this evening. Now, I just have to do say a few more words. Next week, we're dipping our feet in water. The Maternity and Midwifery Hour, we're going to do water birth, the evidence base. And we've got Dr. Claire Feely and Ethel Burns joining us to share their work. It's groundbreaking stuff. Really good. Also, I have to remind you, November's going to be a really busy month. We've got the BFI conference in November, 23rd and 24th. Is that right? Have I got the dates right? We've also got the third, on the 3rd of November, the education conference or festival with us. On um, 9th of November, we've got the student experience event, and that's all online, and that's 9th of November, so book, book now, because even if you can't make it, you do get the recording to keep. And of course, the Scottish Festival, anyone who wants to go to Edinburgh, we've got a face-to-face -face and hybrid event, and that's the 29th of uh, November also. So get those in your diaries. But in the meantime, we'll, again, another big thank you to Megan and Alison for joining us and for you all joining us this evening. And stay safe, stay well, and we'll see you next week. Same time, same place. Take care. Thank you.